you like love? Are you a night owl? Then late night love is a place for you. Since life is negative enough, here we discuss everything love. What we love, who we love, and why we love. So join us on Saturday nights at 11.30 p.m. Pacific Time. And please remember, love everybody. And welcome everybody to a special edition of Late Night Love. We're going to have a conversation about symbolism. What does that mean? Symbolism. Symbol. Oh my, I I practiced for days. I swear. You Robbie, did. I did. You tried. I, you I tried. Up anyway. ah, well, life is, that's what we do here. We learn from our mistakes. <laughs> But Eric Martinez is here of Practicing Symbolism. I've got it that really he's joining us. And, you know, I guess the opening question is kind of, is symbolism a philosophy, a religion, or somewhere Well, what is it in layman's terms? Yeah, well, it's going to be an interesting discussion, so stick around, and we're going to bring in his. And here he is. Mr. Eric Hey, how you doing? Thank you for joining us. First of all, let's Tell everybody how we can find you. You can find you at anchor.fm slash symbolism. And I'm going to butcher that many times over the course of the night. I do apologize. I still do it too. My my uh, German teacher says she do, I don't have a tongue for foreign languages when I was in high school. What she didn't say is I don't have a tongue for English either. It's what she <laughs> <laughs> you can find you at Reddit at r symbolism. If you guys know Reddit, I'm not a Reddit. Instagram at first symbolist, and at Medium at Eggmart two. At, yeah, at Eggmart. It's just an article I wrote. Yeah, I'm, yeah. No, that was, I read half. I read half of that. I, you know, I would like to do more research than I got. But you know, running for office, we all get busy. But that's actually good. It allows us you to kind of answer some questions for us. So as I was kind of going through quickly, going through caught a half of a couple episodes of your podcast. We read part of your article. Poor Lubby got lost. She came in here and she said she gave up. And I said, I don't think it's as complicated as you think it is. Well, then we'd listen to the <laughs> podcast and that was, a le- that was clear for me. I think I do better in that form, in yeah. the form of, yeah. of podcast. Yeah. So, but the first question that came to my mind, because I'd like to take these things seriously with an open mind is, is it, it seems to me that it was kind of a cross between a religion and a philosophy. Is that somewhat accurate? That's actually exactly accurate because, uh, oh, let me introduce myself. My name's Eric. I, uh, the reason I came to these conclusions is because of my profession, which is uh, something called the neurophysiology. So I, in during surgeries that involve the spinal cord uh, or the brain or the peripheral nerves, I have to be there to, help the neurosurgeon to make sure that everything goes well. I'm not a doctor or a nurse, but I'm like basically like the same level as a nurse. And I also have something called aphantasia, which I'll get into later if you want to, which means that I have no ability to construct any kind of uh, sensory details in my mind. Like if I think about the past, I don't experience it in any way. I just have facts about things that I've done, like bullet points. But as, as far as the, the, is it a religion or is it a philosophy? It's an ideology, which in my mind, an ideology has always been a religion by a different type of name. It's just a a misnamed religion, right? Like, for instance, communism is an ideology. That communism will tell you how to live. It'll tell you what to like. It'll tell you who to vote for. It'll tell you everything. It'll tell you a lot about your life. And it's very complex. Symbolism is very, very simple. It's like you can read it in 10 minutes, but it also tells you 
you can kind of how to live and what to what the out what an outlook on life should be or could be because like for instance communism and 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 all these other ideologies they give you a worldview mm-hmm. and so does symbolism it gives you a worldview that's supposed to be uh, something that uh, i honestly do believe everything that i wrote down there and i'm just trying to share my beliefs with other people to see if they gain traction or not because i made them uh, have a focus for self help so that there can be something useful for people. I don't want to have a, a, an ideology or philosophy that's out there in the world just so people can learn about it and get nothing out of it, you know? So I, I made something else. I added on the, the self-help, which uh, if we go into is, is very simple. It's just basically managing your muscles and piloting yourself like a robot. It's actually pretty interesting, um, the science behind it. Yeah, well, oddly enough, the neuroscience, I've, I had a concussion a number of years ago. And I have nine months of like somewhere between six and nine months of lost time. I don't, still don't know how much it's actually lost where I don't really remember that chunk of time between where I got the concussion and where I start having a memory again. It kind of fades in. It's kind of furry as it fades in. I still don't really have a sense of time over a course of period. I can sense hours, but once months kind of disappear, I kind of lose a sense mm. of time when it comes to that. Ever since the concussion, I've, but weird things have happened to me. Like I don't taste food very well anymore. It's so I've got all kinds of strange. Oh, so that definitely caused some trauma to the brain. Yeah, it, I knocked myself silly on that one. I stood up and hit a basketball pole. It, uh, that was yeah. My the doctor said I hit two round objects square. And wow. Yeah, Just pure dumb luck, I guess. I don't. Yeah, if, if you can have stupid luck, I'll find it. That's kind of the story of my life. But okay, well, back to your symbolism. Um, so it's an ideology that can help, uh, create a framework, like kind of like a religion where it can helps create a framework for where you can perceive the world in a way that allows you to accomplish a goal, accomplish a goal, but it doesn't tell you what that goal is. Unlike communism, which tells you I what know, your goal is. I just came up with a goal. Uh Oh, all right. Because like, it has to do with love. And I just there noticed that your podcast is called late night love. Yeah, because we're night owls over here, so that's... Me too. So I've decided that the golden rule is the best morality, but I take it weird. You know how it says treat others like you want to be treated, basically? Mm -hmm. I don't say treat them nice so you can be treated nice. I do. But I also say you need to take a responsibility for your actions. If you treat them bad, expect to be treated badly. Under symbolism, you are acting as an agent in the world but you are also acting as part of the world because you see yourself not only as a person, because we're very self-centered as humans. We see other people as a part of the environment when in reality, they're also experiencing a version of reality that might be very similar to ours, but is also a little bit different, right? Because everybody has experienced a little bit different. You've experienced more years on this planet than I have, for instance. You have much more wisdom than me. There are things that I will not know about your life ever. Secrets, Right. Yep. There are things, skills that you know that I will never, ever get a chance to pick up only if only because you lived in an era where I those skills were needed and now I don't have those skills. That is an advantage you have over me, for instance. But does that affect the way you perceive reality? And I think it does. I think the reason, like for instance, your childhood, mm-hmm. your environment, that dictates how you perceive the world and how you react to it. Some people are very stoic. You know, they can go through hardships and they can seem unfazed. 
Some people go through a tiny little blunder and they can't believe that the life is over. And, but why is that? And I argue it's, I try to explain it by explaining the nature of consciousness itself, which is just awareness to me because uh, it just seems simple to me because whenever I think about things, it doesn't cost me a lot of energy to think at all because again, inside of my brain, there are no symbols like, like you know, the, the, I defined them, right? There are no things to notice except for facts. And facts are easy to manipulate and play with and have fun with and write about. So you may notice, like, I write a lot and I talk a lot and I even may seem very verbose or almost like too much, but I don't even know where it comes from. Inside of my mind, it's black and empty and quiet all the time, every day. And it's been that way since birth. Well, see, that's strange because I don't see in pictures. A lot of people see in pictures when they think they see in pictures. I don't see in pictures, but it's always yeah. empty in there. But I wouldn't call it black either. But I wouldn't call. But I wouldn't call it black. It's it's not quite. I understand what you're talking about, bullet points, but it's not quite. I wouldn't call it that. So, like, let's say if you have a thought, let's say you think about uh, a loved one. Let's say let's say you just think about Christina, mm-hmm. and you're not looking at her. Do you see her in any way? In your mind? Do, like a picture? Did, no. Oh, that means you have a Fantasia, James. Looks what I what I what I see what what I see is what she brings to me. Yeah, well, you know facts about her. Like she's but kind. I know it's facts. It's emotion based. It's not facts based. It's more. Like, could you based. take that out of your mind and put it in front of me? And could I see it with my eyes or hear it with my ears? No, it's emotion. And there's no sensory reproduction in your mind, James. That means you're me and you are probably more similar than you think, because oh, you don't have a blackness. You don't want to believe it, and you know, do your own research. I just wouldn't I call it you. blackness. I just wouldn't call it blackness. That's all. Maybe just we may be describing the same thing differently. It, it's, it it's not a, like my, my Reddit username is Empty Mind all the time. Yeah, but because, see, my mind's never empty. That's that's maybe that's the. Oh, other. I have a flight of ideas going on too, but there's they're never like a picture or a sound or even. A, a feeling very much when I think it's just facts. You no, might have I get feelings a lot. I, I'm a very emotional guy. I, I cry yeah. at the top of a hat. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, uh, you can't, one of those emotional commercials. I can't watch those emotional commercials. I cry at the drop of a hat. Did you have something over there? You were, looked like you had a question a second ago. No. No? No. I was just going to chime in. I'm always, my mind is always busy and it's always emotion based. And there's always, Usually pictures. Uh, when I picture loved ones, when I think of a loved one, I see their face. Wow! So, see, that's, uh, so that I, crazy. It's different. It's very different. I, I have a very different experience. Yeah. I when I when I have memories, I it's like watching a movie in my mind. I can relive things from when I was three years old. Wow. See. To me, that seems so incredible. It's almost unbelievable to me because my whole life, not once, except for dreams, have I actually experienced something similar to that. When I dream as asleep, it feels like I have a whole body, like I'm walking around, like I'm picking stuff up, like I'm kissing my girlfriend, you know, anything. But when I'm awake, I don't daydream. I don't fantasize. I'm just involved in whatever's in front of me and I just do stuff. Wow, that's the, that's kind of interesting. So, cool. Well, see, that's an interesting. I'll have to actually think about that. Anna's you should, James. I, I, you might have three words again. Symbolism. <laughs> Not the symbolism. The other one. The, uh, the yeah, yeah. Uh, yes. 
The lack of fantasy? No, the lack of fantasy. I'm good with that. I just don't see it. I <laughs> see that's the definition. It's the lack of uh, con. It's it's the lack of ability to uh, create voluntary mental imagery. So just like she was saying that you can replay a movie in her mind, she yeah. could also replay a fantasy in her mind. It's like a future thing. Like let's say she's going to the store tomorrow, she could think of that event and actually do it in her brain. Can you I imagine did, how? I, actually, I did that tonight. well oddly enough i can write a speech in my brain and rewrite it and write it about six times and then of course throw it away the minute i get up to the to the speech and then just write some i bet you're really good at talking i bet you can you can wing it and do a great do it yeah i'm pretty good at talking i don't even i just i've stopped even bothering trying to write speeches i just what do you want me to talk about all right i'll go how much how long do i got and (laughs) you're probably really really good with facts remembering them yeah and, and like you see something and you immediately get a fact without even wanting it and you just know about it. If I've seen something, yeah. If I if I've absorbed something somewhere, yeah, like where the hell did I remember that from? Yeah, I don't know. Where did I pick that up from? I don't know. But I picked it up somewhere, I read it somewhere, I saw lectures somewhere. But, but see, that's the thing, you don't exactly remember where you saw it. No, you know it. Yes. You know the data, but you don't really remember the experience, right? No. Unless there's an emotion tied to it, there's no way I remember. I would say for about 98% of humanity, it's the reverse. They remember the experience most and the fact least, or they're at least mixed in there. There's always a kind of sensory event. I can see that. The facts get lost in the emotions oftentimes, yes. But for people like you and me, James, we have, or or at least people like me, uh, maybe you we have a, a different way of thinking and that's why we've always been weird. And that's yeah. what I'm, that's what I'm basically, I mean, I've been told I was weird my whole life. I didn't understand it, but this is, this, this is the reason I, I wrote this whole theory It's because James, when I was uh, 20, when, like two years ago, I thought I was smart. I thought I knew everything. Then somebody told me that people could picture things in their mind. And I was, my mind was blown. I couldn't believe it. I literally couldn't believe it. My whole life I was under this impression that when people said, imagine this, or I pictured it in my mind, it was a metaphor. It had to be a metaphor because it doesn't exist up here, right? Yeah. So that made me think something else. What if everything that I know can be questioned? Because I 100% knew that the imagination was just a metaphor. So what if reality itself isn't really strictly real? What if everything and everything can be questioned, including the nature of existence? So that's how far I've gone down this rabbit hole. Like that's why I write so crazy and do all this crazy stuff. Are we we a simulation within a simulation within a simulation? I was watching a Star Trek episode, not not the Star Trek episode. Somebody was doing a retrospective or an analysis of a Star Trek episode. And it's like, are they in a simulation within a simulation within a simulation? It became all very strange. And it's like, yeah, but at that stage, what do you even care? Yeah, and that's the thing. <laughs> but, so, but in order to understand that, the, so this is why I think we're in a simulation, if you want to know. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so whenever I am looking at your face right now, I'm getting photons, not from your face, but from this screen that are hitting my retinas and causing the optic nerve to fire, and it's going back to my occipital lobe, and it's basically doing some magic in there where I'm interpreting it as your face. 
I don't even interpret it as a screen. I'm looking at your face right now. It's my brain, my body, my emotions and everything. But if I had a bee flying around right here in my hand somehow with magic and he was looking at you too, what would he see? I don't know. He would see your face because guess what? He'll, he knows what your face is. He knows what your skin is. How does he know? I only know he knows what your skin is because he can sting you. And he knows to sting you. He's got that instinct. But what does he see? What does he experience? He experiences reality just like this other animal called Eric Martinez does, except what does that mean? That means that we create our own reality because here's the example that I always use. Let's say uh, you may have heard this. Everybody's kind of heard this one before. If a tree falls in a forest and no one is there to hear it, no bug, no nothing. It just falls in there, right? Or it falls in a desert and there's nothing around. Does it make a sound? And a lot of people would say, of course it makes a sound because that's what feels correct, but it's not correct. Because whenever that tree fell in the desert or the forest and nobody heard it, it probably did vibrate some air molecules in a predictable manner. And if there was an ear next to that air vibration, it probably could have picked it up with its hair cells and you know converted that into a sound in our mind to create a reality that we experience that feels real but is it real or not is it real or is what the bee experiences next to that tree real which one is it is a chimp real or is it only if you have a neocortex is it real is it a is it a is 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 a whale hearing that sound less or more conscious of it than me they have a larger neocortex than i do so, my, so basically, I'm saying that if you can understand that things are not strictly real, they're basically our interpretation of the universe based on our senses, such as sight, hearing, smell, taste, touch, proprioception, anything. It has to do with our bodies. It has to do with the neurons and the muscles. And so the reason that I only think about that is because every day that I'm at work, all I see are neurons and muscles. And the brain. All I see is that. So I'm thinking, how special is this little gelatinous thing that we're messing with? Very special because it controls this person's life, but it doesn't look like much when you're looking at it under a microscope. So I, 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 some of the things that I say are distressing to some people because yeah. they don't want to think, wait, so we're just perceptions. I'm saying that symbolism is fake and real at the same time. It's real to me, but it's fake to you. And both of those are true. 100% true. So I, I mentioned to you before in my Facebook post that I, I got a wife and I'm having a baby very soon. Congratulations. And thank you. Thank you. And before I came to these conclusions, I would have been much more selfish, much more less lenient towards her. And she would have loved me less, I think. But she she loves, she, she's happier now because guess what? That same thing about that little finger thing that I did that you <laughs> me, it's real for me and fake for you. I think that about everything because if I lived her life moment to moment, millisecond to millisecond, and I had her body cell to cell, neuron to neuron, I would have 100% thought I was right too. That's called the empathy response that you have, except I'm talking about it in this weird language called neuroscience. And you're talking about, about it by the real stuff, what we feel. It's, it's more understandable. We're talking the same thing. Symbolism is saying the same thing all the religions say, except it says it 
not based on a spirit or a soul, because I'm sorry to anybody listening, but I don't, I can't believe in that because I just haven't seen it. I've seen, I've seen, I've seen action potentials. I've done testing on the spinal cord and the brain, and I've seen people move their muscles. I've seen people get paralyzed in surgery. I've cried and, and hurt my feelings over these signals that I'm talking about because it's real. It's real. This is real. The soul feels real. And if you read that 10 minute thing that I wrote, I explain exactly what I, I redefine. What is an emotion? Is it real? No, because we already established that nothing is real. It's all a simulation. How do you run your own simulation? We do something animals are proven by scientists to be unable to do. We dance. This sounds dumb. But whenever you're dancing, we're doing something called imagination. Even if you don't have one inside, you have it on the outside like me. An animal will never be it. A bear can be trained to dance, but it will never spontaneously dance to a new song. It will never hear a rhythm and know to match it with its body movements. You know why? Because it doesn't have a neocortex. It can't create models. That's our soul. That dancing is our soul. If we can dance and pretend a little bit, because that's what it is. Dancing is just pretending. If we can dance our emotions, if we can dance that empathy, that understanding that the other person is also right and you are right too. It's not a paradox. It's yeah. not. Yeah. You're yeah. both two right. At the same time. Yeah. Two things can be true. At the same time. And I, I'm, I'm going to talk about it forever because I'm excited about these ideas. No, I, I know I ramble on, James. Well, no, that's that's cool because I get we, I get that same approach from looking at history. I, I'm kind of a history buff. And so you, you can say that two people can stand on different hills watch an event and have completely different perspectives on what happened just based upon their, their own personal histories, their own perspective, where they came from the, the light perspective, you know, there's a tree in the way. So they didn't see this one thing happen, you know, all these various things. And so they can have the world. So what they saw is true. What the other person said, everything is kind of true, but it's also not true because we can't see what we can't see. It's like one of those, the known, the known knowns and the unknown unknowns. It's right. <laughs> the known unknowns and the unknown unknowns. You know, you don't even know what the unknown unknowns are because you can't even put them on a paper on this. You don't know. There's real, literally no way to know what you can't know. Yeah, it's the black swan, right? That's what they yeah. call it. I thought. Yeah, it, it, it's, there's a hundred ways. I think to we, people try to describe. Yeah, it's crazy. It. And, and the, the fun thing is that whenever you start to live like. Because I'm not just talking about this. Mm-hmm. For I only came to these conclusions last month, beginning of last month. So for a month, I've been just trying to be better, trying to be better. How? Just kind of, oh, let me sit up straight. I forgot my muscles. I, I, I haven't been watching them. Or I can't get mad at this person. Let me just reframe it. Because they didn't yell at me. They just spoke a little too loudly. That sounds stupid, doesn't it? Like well, when you say that? Well, no. It helps me. Is how we live our life. We, we came to it from a different way. I have an anxiety disorder. And so for most of my life, I lived in essentially in a state of fear. And there mm-hmm. came a point where, okay, I've either got to become strong in the face of this or it's going to swallow me. Well, in yeah. order to become strong in the face of it, you have to become true, open, and honest with yourself and the rest of the world. Otherwise, you can't do it. As well, in order to do that, you have to become insanely empathetic. Because you can't be open, honest, and true to yourself for the rest of the world without being empathetic. You just can't do it. It's literally not possible. 
Yeah, because you're not even reading them. You don't even, you're not even taking into account what they're feeling to even try. Yeah. So the very first step was, okay, now I've got, not only do I have to learn how to be sympathetic to myself as I kind of grow myself to a different direction, but I've got to learn to be empathetic to the rest of the world on how, because they misinterpret my, my, uh, they misinterpret my actions as much as I misinterpret theirs precisely because I'm misinterpreting theirs. My body reacts like it's in danger when I'm ordering a freaking hamburger for no damn reason. Right. And so, and, and so the rest of the world picks up on that nervousness and they think I'm nervous or or something when really it's just my stupid bodies and reaction. Yeah. It's uncontrollable by you. It's your affect. Basically it's, it's your baseline. My mind is, my mind is going, I'm ordering a hamburger. What's wrong with you? But the body's in fight or flight mode and you stay there long enough. The mind follows. If you allow it to stay there long enough, the mind will eventually follow. What I've learned to do is get the body out of it faster is kind of how I've actually learned to do that. But you can only do that by becoming strong in the face of it. Yeah, that resilience, that fortitude, it just comes from practice. It's a skill. And and see, that's that's the thing. Things for, like for us, people with Aphantasia, or for me, people with Aphantasia, like you have, we have the facts that we learn. Good, we got those. We also get to keep the motor memory, right? How well we do stuff. Like we can get get back on that bike and ride it just like we did the first day. So when you tell me, you know, I, I got better at it, it's because you do get better at that skill. Somehow over time you analyzed it and you just got more efficient at it. So at this point, it's so habitual and automatic that you're just done with it. That's yeah. pretty that's pretty impressive. You just, you just basically well, don't be all that impressive for like a decade, man. It wasn't all that impressive. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, but the, well, the fact that you stick at it with a decade, if you're going to be impressed about something, it's not the speed. It's the fact that you stuck. That's I was willing to stick at it. I was willing to work all the way through it because you didn't you don't know where you're going to end up when you start that journey. You don't know what it's going to look like. It's just there's a hill. You've got to climb it. And so you just start climbing because, you know, you've got to be a better person. For me, it was to raise my daughter, to yeah. raise my boys, and and kind of not prevent the disintegration of our family f- from disintegrating my children. And so we had to, I had to rebuild myself so my kids wouldn't become. You know, I live on the edge of the ghetto. My boys could have easily gone the wrong direction, and they didn't. Yeah. And my daughter, you know, could have gone the wrong direction, and she didn't. And so there was a, the goal was, to rebuild myself for my children. It wasn't actually even for me until much later on when I became aware that, you know, this children was a false goal. Doing it for the kids was a false goal. It got me to through the first half of it, but it was actually a false goal. The real goal is to make a better my better me so my children have something to to hold on to in their own storms when they needed me so they could have any discussion they want whenever they wanted it. We didn't have family dinners, but yet that kitchen we had many discussions with all their friends and about all kinds of issues and, you know, sometimes very serious issues, sometimes quite funny, but, <laughs> but it was always welcome. Their friends were always welcome. We were the house the friends wanted to go to rather than the place where people wanted to escape from. And that was for us, that was a, uh, it was an accomplishment because it could have gone the other way. And yeah, it, you could, and it could have definitely. Yeah, 
and and it could have gone. You don't, you don't know how bad it could have gone the other way because you you may be thinking, oh, it could have gone the other way, and they're just not as well off as they are now. No, they could have they could have died. They could have gone to jail. Yeah, it could have. Yeah, we live in the. They had friends who did not make it through high school, and yeah. so so it could go the wrong way very easily. We were always very aware of it. And, you know, it's the love of family. We're lucky here. We have, I, we got to live in the grandfather's house and he quite literally built it brick by brick for my grandmother. So quite, I live in a house that was quite literally built by love. It was, yeah. so, so there's something to that. And I, so, you know, there's something about living in a place that was quite literally built with love. And so there's something about how that rest, the, the whole family kind of came together to help rescue my family. But they were able, they're willing to do it because they saw that I was working hard at myself. You know, what you put into the world, we talked about it earlier, what you put into the world, you get back. And And so it's true. It's it's so true. Whenever people tell me about like uh, manifesting or uh, positivity or the secret, I used to be like, that's, that's BS. That's just, how dare you? But then I did this symbolism thing and I was thinking, because I've thought this since the beginning and I, cause I kept reading all what all these people think about their theories of consciousness and reality. Some people are really verbose. Some people go really technical, but they all say the same thing. What I'm saying with the symbolism thing mm-hmm. that perceptions are basically our reality, but I'm saying what's the most efficient way to exist. And I'm not saying it's to be selfish at all because animals, you know, the thing we're trying to get away from, they are the most selfish creatures in existence because they react to their environment perfectly. They only care about themselves. They're incapable of model making and of dancing, right? They can't change their behavior. But humans can be selfless, even if it is just a little bit, right? We can stop ourselves from uh, doing something bad for the benefit of somebody else when it really doesn't benefit us at all, seemingly, seemingly. Yeah, but so it benefits us in a different way is what it does. Will. It benefits and our the thing is, the more selfless you are and the more egoless you try to be, and I'm not talking about for a day or for a week, the people that you're around have to believe you. They can't see you be selfless 90% of the time and 10% of the time you're an asshole. Or, sorry. No, you have to be them. true. You have to try because if they see that, people will gravitate towards you. And it's, and it's because you're not being selfish. You're actually trying to be egoless. You're doing things for yourself, but not because you're working out, but not because you want to get buff. You're working out because you want to be a father long-term for your kids. You want to live a long life. You understand? That makes you inside better. It motivates you inside. And the people around you will notice that. They will rally towards you. You will get more support. You will get more benefits. You will get everything you ever wanted from other people because they'll see that you're sincere. And it's just a loop. It's a constant, it's like a snowballing effect. The more selfless you are, the more people love you. The more love you give out to the world selflessly, not because I want to have sex today, not because I want to have a lot of money. I need to have a husband that has a lot of money. That's not love. It's That's not. It's not love, is it? It's That's- not. It's about saying, you know what? I accept this person for who they are. And not only do I accept them, I love every single ugly, nice, beautiful, terrible thing about this person. Selflessly. All the time. And I'm telling you, people, I have friends. Call, I, I, I used to have no friends. I have people calling me all the time now just to talk. 
because I've, I've started like every time I talk to them in a conversation right now, I'm being a little selfish because I'm trying to push my ideology. I'm normally like, so what are you been trying to do? And I ask them questions and if they have a problem, I try to solve it for them in a weird way. You know, I say something, I'm trying to be selfless. I'm trying to help. And they notice. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what you did too. When you, when you switched gears with your anxiety, because in the beginning it was kind of a little bit more selfish and then it turned to like, you know what? Other people work on myself for them. You no, kind of reframed everything. It was completely selfish. I was trying to protect myself. You thought it was, you were trying to be protective. You thought you're trying to protect yourself, but didn't realize that you were hurting people around you without realizing it. And, and the thing is that the desire to protect yourself was accidentally hurting my family. Yeah, it's the opposite too, right? When you're selfish, bad things happen to you. I don't know why. Maybe it's the quirk of reality. It's something that I don't understand. It's some, it's some emergent property of the system. You know, an emergent property is more than a sum of its parts. I don't know. What? Something weird is going on when you're selfish. It's bad. And the thing is, when, you, when you're selfless, it's kind of like surrendering and it feels bad. It feels like I shouldn't surrender. I should, I should fight. But animals fight every time unless they know it's done, unless they know they're done and they give up like those gazelles in the savannah, right? They give up. Yeah. What is the body? What does that body of that gazelle do when it gives up? I've seen that gazelle give up and it doesn't squirm. It doesn't do anything. It just lays there and gets eaten. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, if I was that gazelle, I'd be screaming. I'd be going crazy. Wait, the gazelle totally accepted its circumstance. It's at peace. It's surrendered. Let me reproduce that every chance I get. Anytime somebody argues with me now, you know what I do? I agree with them. It doesn't matter how dumb the argument is. If they tell me Trump is the best president ever, I say, you know what? He is because he's the best president for me to care more about what the presidents are. You know, yeah. I agree in a weird, convoluted way. But inside, it doesn't feel like I betrayed that person. And I still feel like I'm doing something positive by not arguing. And yeah. that thing that I said, I said it inside. I just said I agree outside. Yeah, well, yes, I've, we, I'm tired of the fighting. You know, everybody said, oh, we're going to fight for this. We're going to fight for that. We're going to go to politics. So, you know, you can work towards your goal without fighting. You do, there's, there's no reason to fight because when you fight, people get hurt. Things get broken. That's what happens when you fight. So let's stop fighting and let's start working towards solving problems instead of fighting to impose, you know, politically fighting to impose our will. But it works on a personal level as well. You don't want to fight with your spouse because, you know, a, a fight has a winner and a loser and you don't want a defeated spouse. You want someone who's stronger. So you want to work together towards a solution. So you don't want to fight. You don't want to set up that mindset where you're working against each other. And the problem is, though, it's easy to know that. And I agree with you 100 percent. But in the moment, you know how hard it is, right? Oh, yeah. But yeah. I. Uh-huh. I remember, but I told you a way, a way to stop yourself, control your muscles, because emotions are just muscle movements, even involuntary. Some of the involuntary muscle movements that we consider them emotions, just like that sound in the, in the forest. If we, if like, we just interpret that as an emotion, if we just stay calm and stay still, almost like a robot and you keep in mind, they're right. Why are they right? Because everyone is right. Because reality is what you make it, right? Everyone is right. If you can convince yourself of that, you will never argue. And, you, and remember that snowball effect I was saying? I don't know why it works. 
but it does. And I'm not trying to sell this to people. I'm not trying to get them to follow me. I wrote 10 minutes. I wrote a 10 minute article and I'm saying, read that and never talk to me again, please. That's fine. Go to go. Maybe if they have a question, but I'm not trying to be famous. I'm just saying like, I love this idea because it's just repackaged other stuff, you know, because these ideas are all like not known. Yeah. It's well, it's interesting when you go off and you do something like this, where you talk about love relationships or life, or you try and talk about your ideology or philosophy. It's, it's well, other people have something similar. It says, yeah, but you never know who you might need to hear it from you. Right. We don't know who might need to hear it from you. There might be some person who hears your voice and says, hey, that resonates with me. I'm going to go check it out. And you could actually change, change the world through one person. You have no, no one of us have any idea how our, our uh, actions in life resonate down through the. That's true. But you know what? I used to think that too, but now since I'm so on this kick, like I'm, I've been reading my own stuff crazy. So it's like I'm saying, okay, nobody knows how their actions reverberate down the world. But you know how confident I am? Like as long as I do it selflessly in the moment, I'm pretty confident that in the future, it doesn't matter if it's 10 years from now, the butterfly effect of that event, I picked up some trash on the street, is going to help someone somewhere. I didn't have to pick up that trash off the street, but it made me feel good. And I did it to help whoever one day had to pick that trash up off the street in the distant future. So we had a – on the assembly line, back when I worked on assembly lines, we had a we had a little saying: find some way to make the next guy's job a little easier. And by the end of the assembly line, everybody's job is a little easier. <laughs> and that's what we all we're all here on an assembly line called life. We're born, we grow up, and unfortunately, we leave. So let's make the job easier for the next guy. If we all agreed instead of all fought, what would we do? If we all just at least thought, because I'm a materialist, right? I'm the most, I sound like a spiritual person talking like this, but I'm the most materialist guy. I don't believe in the soul. I don't believe in, if we can all just somehow divest ourselves of that just for a day, try this out, try not feeling like, no, my beliefs are so true because I was taught them as a child and they're ingrained and evolution has taught me, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Let's try to get away from evolution because it's good. If you're an animal, but if you want to be a rational human being, and I'm talking about almost Jesus, like, you know what I'm saying? Like he was the most selfless, right? If you want to believe the stories, try to be like him. What would Jesus do? Just go back to that. I mean, it's all the same stuff. They're all saying the same thing. Be selfless. Why are they saying that? Because it is the secret. Yeah. It's the secret to to everything being selfless. You know that there's a reason that, that has stuck around for thousands upon thousands upon thousands of years. All right, Eric, how can people find you if they want to hear more? How can they get a hold of you? Well, they can just Google symbolism and whatever pops up there will be my stuff because I'm the only person that talks about this. And they can go on Instagram. Uh, I'm first symbolist on Instagram. First symbolist on Instagram. Great. Eric, it was great having you on. Thank you for coming on. We would like to have you back here and let you know as you kind of work your way through this and see how your journey goes. It would, it would, oh, I'll come back to talk about anything. You guys are fun. Like, yeah. I, like I love talking about anything. I have random topics. I'm, well, me and you are very similar, so you know I have a lot of facts about random stuff. Yeah. You're, you're the trivia king, aren't you? Don't lie to me. <laughs> yeah. He really We're, is. I know he is because I know he has a fantasia like me. He doesn't want to accept it. But that's all right. Hey, I got to look at that before I can accept it, my friend. I I'm a moderator of the Aphantasia Reddit if you have any questions. I'm like an expert.
I know I'll do. I'll have to go check. I've never gotten into Reddit, but you know, with this whole podcasting thing, I probably should. It's one of those marketing tasks I'm going to have to get myself into. (laughs) There's parts of this gig I like to do and there's parts of this stuff I don't, but you know, it's not more work, but I I really like your setup though. It's, it's very impressive. Mine is just my, my bedroom wall, but yours is like incredibly nice. It's a twenty dollars green screen with some lights. I want that. Home Depot, and it's really it's kind of a it's kind of a ghetto setup. But if you kind of know what you're doing, you can make it look. You good. can make it look. Well, but it's that, your experience. But that's but that's actually you know making do with what you have, making the best out of what you have, and just kind of being happy with it and moving on is kind of you know. And I bet you set that up selflessly to help people understand what your show's about more. And that's why it made such a positive effect on me. No, I set that up because I have ugly walls and people wouldn't have paid attention to, to me. True. Another one. <laughs> ah, you it would have saved practical. them from having to witness your walls. It was it was pra- it was practical. That was just a practical decision on that one. <laughs> there's no there's no secret. Sometimes it's just practical. <laughs> All right, Eric, thank you for being around. Thank, thank you, you so much for having me. For watching, for watching and listening to us. You can catch us on Saturday night. You can catch Eric at anchor.fm slash symbolism. And he's been putting up some, he's got a good handful of uh, topics up there. And thank you guys for watching. And we'll see you guys next time. And remember to love everybody.